Welcome to the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show, a community for real estate investors to learn, network, and grow. Be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today. Hey, what's up, everybody? This is Travis Murphy, your host of the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show. Thanks for joining me today, everyone. We've got another guest joining us for the podcast. Uh, his name is Colin Mahar. And uh, we're going to talk, he's going to talk to us a little bit about his investing and what he's been doing. Uh, but before we get into that, I want to remind everybody to check out the investnest.com. You can go create your free investor profile there, um, network with other members that have already joined, check out the blogs and articles, and you can create your own blogs, which you can then share from your uh, investnest page directly to your social media platforms. We're also on all the uh, social media, Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at The Invest Nest. So be sure to check us out there. All right, Colin, thanks for joining us today. Absolutely. Thanks for having me, Travis. Yeah, my pleasure. My pleasure. Um, so can you tell us, just give us a little bit of a background on yourself, um, you know, what you do, where you're from? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so originally I'm from upstate New York. Um, I currently live in New York City. Um, I started out in real estate. I've done a bunch of different things uh, in the real estate industry. I started out as an agent. Um, I worked as an agent for a couple years. Um, and then I kind of got interested in investing. So I had an opportunity to kind of join a family business and gain some experience as a, on the investing side. Um, I also do content creation for real estate companies mainly. Um, and now I'm kind of working towards building my own personal portfolio of real estate investments, doing wholesaling and flips and stuff like that. Awesome. Very cool. Very cool. So you started out as an actual realtor? Yes, I did. Okay. And uh, you, were, you, were you working with uh, investors or with just, just regular homeowners buying and selling their, their primary residence? Mainly homeowners, but yeah, I worked with investors as well. I worked with uh, commercial tenants pretty much uh, across the spectrum. You know, I started out just doing rentals and kind of built my way up um, along the ladder. Okay. So you're helping lease, you know, people lease their properties and things like yep, that. Exactly. And at what point did you start getting interested in, in the real estate investing side of things? Was there something specific that caught your attention or did something happen or did some, somebody talk to you about it that got, you know, that got you thinking about investing in real estate, not just buying and selling for other people? Um, yeah, absolutely. Honestly, I'd always been kind of, that was my end goal starting out. Um, I just, it, it kind of interested me a little bit more than just, you know, uh, working on the sales end. Um, we used to have investors come in and do trainings um, at our, our office. So that kind of sparked the interest um, in me. Also, like I said, my family is kind of involved in real estate. So it's something I've always kind of been around and always uh, had experience with. Um, and it just seemed kind of like the natural progression of after a while, I got kind of tired of, you know, helping other people uh, with their investments. I wanted to kind of get into it on my own. Right on, right on. And so at that point, I guess you, um, you, did you, did you have an idea of what it was that you wanted to do specifically? Like, were you looking for single families? Did you want to get into a house hack or um, was it duplex or did, did, were you just kind of diving in head first and figuring it out as you went along? I'm kind of diving it in, figuring it out. Um, definitely single families to start out. I think that's the best place for people to kind of get their start. Um, I think it's the, the simplest and the easiest to kind of figure out how the business works. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's always just kind of taking things as they come, taking deals as they come up, taking opportunities as they present themselves. I'm very big on kind of, you know, learning as I go and trying to learn from my past mistakes and figure out what I can do to kind of accelerate my uh, strategy in the future. 
Right on. Yeah, no, that's, that's critical. You know, people, we've talked about this a lot, you know, even in the last, uh, in the last episode, the last podcast, um, you know, you do want to do your research and get, make sure you're informed and understand how things work, how to analyze properties, how to analyze cash flow. But if you, you can sit around, you know, forever and you get analysis paralysis, they call it, mm -hmm. and, and never move forward. At some point, you've got to take the leap, and you're, there's going to be mistakes that happen. Everybody makes mistakes, but the mm -hmm. big, the the key is to learn from the mistakes. Um, hopefully, mitigate the damage, and they're not too costly. Right. But but learn from them, and so when you move forward and are you know on your next project or down the road on future projects, you hopefully don't repeat those mistakes. Okay. So that's that's awesome that you um you know that you're you're just you're diving into it. And so you said you're from the New York, New York area? Yep. I'm originally from uh, upstate. I'm from Albany, which is about, you know, three hours outside of the city. Um, I now live in Manhattan in Hell's Kitchen. Um, okay. kind of looking, I'm a little bit kind of back and forth doing deals in Albany, but also looking kind of primarily in the suburbs of New York to kind of start my own business doing in the, the Jersey area, maybe like Connecticut, um, anywhere kind of within maybe 30 minutes of the city. So uh, within that general vicinity, and then eventually I'd like to get into the actual proper, proper city limits in Brooklyn and Queens, and then maybe one day Manhattan. Right on. So how's, how's the market up there? I mean, people are talking, you know, all the time I hear how difficult and challenging certain markets can be right now, depending mm -hmm. on, depending on what type of investing you're trying to do, you know, whether that is a buy and hold or, you know, more like a, a, a flip project, what have you, you know, certain markets, there's uh, inventory issues, which creates a lot of demand and mm -hmm. can make, can make purchasing a challenge. So how's, how's the market in your area? Um, and honestly, it's going through a lot of changes right now, just with COVID and everything. Um, you know, the property values in Manhattan are starting to go down, which, you know, as a as somebody who's looking to get into investing, that's kind of attractive to me. Uh, but that's kind of why I'm looking more in the Jersey area and the outskirts of New York, because I feel like there's a lot more opportunity for, you know, beginning investors in those areas. You know, there's a huge demand for people who, you know, still work in the city and need to commute, but um, they don't want to pay the, you know, exorbitant Manhattan prices. So right. definitely like specifically the Manhattan market is very hard to break into if you're kind of just getting out just because it, it, it costs so much money. Um, but there are some really cool neighborhoods in like Brooklyn and Queens that are a little more undiscovered where you can definitely find deals and you can kind of get your toes into the game um, that I'm looking at as well. Sort of neighborhoods that maybe haven't hit the same kind of gentrification wave as other places like Williamsburg and popular neighborhoods like that, but are still great for, you know, uh, locals who just need, uh, need, you know, a, a basic place to live. Yeah, no, that I've been hearing a lot about how um, people seem to be kind of leaving the inner cities, mm -hmm. particularly New York, given COVID um, and the suburban areas are getting a, a boost from that. And like you said, if there's areas that have not realize that those improvements mm -hmm. to this point that sounds like it could be a pretty decent buying opportunity mm -hmm, um, it, it also sounds like it, it's one of those uh markets that's cut up very um it's very choppy so you probably mm -hmm. need to be pretty immersed in that market to know Absolutely. you know what what neighborhoods are a neighborhood that might be an up-and-coming versus one that may you know may just not get that appreciation play for whatever reason Sure. Is that is that something that you kind of really feel like you need to have your boots on the ground for to, to know the ins and outs of the specific markets in, in, in those suburb 
the suburban areas? Yeah, absolutely. Because there are a lot of, you know, a lot of properties that you could buy that, you know, are not going to move or they're, you're not going to be able to turn them around for as much of a profit as you'd like. But if you know what to look for and what, specifically not even just neighborhoods, but what streets, what blocks and why, you know, these are more profitable and why, why these are not. It definitely helps to have that, you know, insider insight. Uh, I yeah, actually started out working um, in Brooklyn and Queens, and then I moved to a different uh, firm in Manhattan. So I, I started out in those areas, and I have a, a lot more of a appreciation for those neighborhoods. And specifically in New York, I think affordable housing is going to become the, the next wave, like air, neighborhoods where you can get, you know, a, a two-bedroom for under a million dollars. I think that the the kind of the bubble of, you know, paying whatever over a million for uh, nobody's going to be really looking for those kinds of properties after COVID. I think the, the next thing to really look for is places where you can find, you know, a, de a house with, or a building with decent bones that you can rehab and, you know, sell at a, an affordable price. I think those will go a lot quicker than, you know, the kind of luxury condos that people have been putting up in the past. Um, so that's kind of what I'm looking at and definitely having that kind of insider insight into which neighborhoods are better for local residents and which are the ones that attract more outside, you know, uh, commuters and, and tourists and stuff like that is definitely helpful. So I imagine a lot of the people listening right now are not uh, from the New York market. So hearing a challenge to find a two bedroom for under a million dollars, probably crazy. I know. <laughs> so people probably fell out of their chairs from that yeah. one. So it sounds like that's a, that might be a little bit more of a challenge than most of us uh, in that specific market. But yeah, no, I know I hear exactly what you're saying and given your real estate background and that you're from that area, you know, that really helps. I think those are, that could be one of the mistakes that an early investor or somebody that's new to investing or, you know, wants to get out and try to flip a house you know, that's where I, I, I believe a challenge can come from or a mistake, a costly mistake, if you don't know the market. You know, mm -hmm. if, you're looking, if you're just looking online and you're looking at properties and you see for some reason this one over here is way cheaper and you're like, wow, in the one, you know, two streets over sold for this much more, I can fix it up. But there may be something else there that they're not aware of. Mm -hmm. And that's why, you know, either, you know, that part as far as research goes is critical, whether you figure it out on your own or ideally you work with a, a, an investor friendly realtor who has the grasp on the market such as you do mm -hmm. that can help point a, a, a new investor in the right direction or, or caution them as to reasons why they may not get the ARV that they're looking for. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's a good, that, that's a, good, a key point to, 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 to draw from um, for those out there that haven't you've done a lot of investing yet you want to make sure that you do understand the market that you're that you're working within and ideally have a good team of people that you work with, you know, realtors, wholesalers, et cetera, that can, you know, steer you in the right direction and hopefully help you avoid a costly mistake. Um, and so how are you finding your deals at this point for the most part? Are they on the multiple list off market? Are you working with wholesalers? Do you do any direct mail mailings? Uh, how, are you, how are you finding your, your properties? Right um, yeah, I just kind of built up my own network of, you know, wholesalers, other agents and stuff like that that send me deals that I look at, um, you know, different websites, uh, you know, foreclosures.com, stuff like that. Um, right now, I'm just kind of feeling the temperature and, you know, seeing what's out there and seeing where the market is at. Um, and so I think definitely building your own personal network of 
people in your area that you can rely on and you can trust because you know this can be a very uh, cutthroat industry real estate and sometimes you know it helps to have professionals around you that you trust and that you've done business with in the past and that you know uh, aren't going to steer you in the wrong direction or aren't going to try to you know unload a property on you that actually turns out to cost you money in the long run i think that's a, a very important aspect of it is just having um, people that you can rely on to you know guide you in the right direction because you're not no matter how much you learn there's certain things you're not going to know there's certain things you're not going to really fully understand and having that network around you i think is very important yeah it helps it helps definitely see some you know other people working with you helps you see or allows you to see some things that maybe you wouldn't have so that's you know that's always i always i'm a big proponent of having a good team you know a realtor a wholesaler property manager contractor um, banker, closing agents, you know, if you put all the right pieces in place, you can actually really streamline the whole process. But mm -hmm. it also depends on what type of investing a person's doing, you know, is going to determine what we're really talking about. If you're buying for a flip, you know, where you you're expected a resale value for profit, um, that's going to be different than a buy and hold where you're purchasing sure. most likely for cash flow. Mm -hmm. So if you're buying, you know, typically, if you can buy right, and you analyze the numbers, ahead of time, even if for some reason the market changes and, and you may not get the money that you would like to have gotten on a flip, if you're in a position to hold the property, mm -hmm. the great thing about real estate is that over time, even a bad investment generally will turn out to be a good investment. You know, mm -hmm. the, the, between the principal pay down, you know, your interest deductions and ideally at some point over time, you'll get some appreciation out of it. We, we, we talk about not investing for appreciation. It's more like the cherry on top. But right. if you hold real estate long enough, you're most likely going to get some appreciation. So even a, a, a bad investment or not so great investment will typically turn into an okay investment the longer you hold it. Mm -hmm. Now, not everybody's in that position to do that. If they were doing a flip, they may be using hard money or they mm -hmm. may need the cash. And that's really where you can get yourself into a bind. Absolutely. Um, so right now, what is it that you're looking for? Are you looking at flips? Are you looking at building a rental portfolio? Or what is it that you're working on or what you're doing right now? Do you have any projects that you can tell us about? Yeah, in the short term, I'm definitely looking to do uh, flips and then uh, maybe longer once kind of the dust settles from COVID, kind of looking to start uh, doing like a buy and hold, uh, you know, investing in rental properties. Um, I have a, a a project that we're working on uh, with the family business that I do. Uh, we did a flip of a single family home in the upstate area, um, in an area right outside of Albany County um, that, you know, we got at a pretty good price. Uh, we put just a little bit of work into it and we're looking to turn it around and get a pretty good profit. Um, so I'm looking to do more stuff like that, like look in areas where they're maybe not as like flashy or as, you know, extravagant but you can still, you can get a property for a good value and then put just a minimal amount of work into it and turn it around to a nice family or, you know, something like that uh, for a good return. So that's kind of the stuff I'm looking to do, um, get into doing flips, get into also wholesaling myself and then kind of slowly work towards building my own uh, rental portfolio. Right on. That's good stuff. So the, the one that you were just talking about, the flip that you're, work, that you're working on, how did you guys find that property? Was that on market? Was it an off market property? Um, that was an on market property. We have a contractor who does a lot of work in that area who alerted it to us. Um, and we just kind of scooped it up. Was it a bank owned or REO or was it just like somebody selling it to try to unload it quickly? Or do I you think know it was bank owned. Bank owned. 
Okay. Yeah. So it was a foreclosure property. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And in our area, I know like, the bank owned properties that come to market, they're typically, it's like blood in the water. There's just mm-hmm. sharks swarming. Yeah. Did you have, did you have a lot of, did you have a hard time getting it? Did you have to bid over the ask price? Um, did you have to, you know, did, what did you do in order to get that to make your offer more competitive than maybe the other people that were trying to, to try to buy it? Yeah, so we just got kind of lucky because the contractor we were using was doing some work on the property next door. So he okay. found out about it super quick and we were able to kind of get in there and get a good price for it uh, right away. Um, so we, uh, you know, we got a, a pretty good, I'm not exactly sure what the, how much, how long it took to secure it, but we got it like, you know, pretty quick as soon as it right available was that a pretty quick quick close you think once you got yeah. under contract yeah mm-hmm. i know that around here that makes a pretty good difference if you're yeah. not just not just foreclosure properties estate sales or even if it's just a motivated seller yeah. if you can if you're not using bank financing in particular if it's your own cash or you have a, mm-hmm. a money partner or a financial partner or a hard money lender where mm-hmm. you don't have to go through all the yeah. jump through all the hoops that you would typically have to with the bank that means you can close quick because the cash is there as long as everything checks out. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, as long as title work clears and there's no outstanding liens on the property, mm-hmm. you know, once that's done, it's pretty much a matter of wiring the money over and you can close. And that appeals yeah. typically to, to motivated sellers, whether it's a, a, a person a, a, or a bank or, a, you know, a, an estate sale. So at a, I see that a lot around here where, you know, you see something pop up that's a bank owned property or a, a distressed property. And mm-hmm. within a week, sometimes it's already closed, yeah. you know? So that's, that's one way if you're out there listening to in a, in, a, in a tough and competitive market, trying to figure out how you can get a property when it seems like a, a good deal disappears so quickly. Mm-hmm. That making an, a strong it. offer is 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 key. Mm-hmm. Um, having the making sure the money's going to be there. There's not going to be anything that holds the money up, um, and and, a, and a, that appeals to a seller. So them knowing that it's a cash deal and there's no bank contingencies and that it can be closed right away. That'll definitely help help your offer and help you secure Absolutely. secure the property. Um, so. It's a, it was a single family home. Did the contractor that alerted you guys, did he work on the property with you guys? Did you guys do a lot of it yourselves? How did that work? Yeah, it was a little bit of 50-50. Uh, he did a lot of like the heavy lifting in terms of rehabbing the kitchen, rehabbing the bathrooms, just giving it, you know, a little extra uh, details that were kind of uncommon for that area, like, you know, granite countertops, things like that. He used his knowledge of the, the local market to kind of help us out and figure out, you know, which details were, would help uh, the mm-hmm. resale value. And then we did stuff like, you know, cleaning out the basement, mowing the lawn, just the cosmetic stuff to kind of get it um, over the top. Yeah, you did whatever you guys could do to probably help move the project along and save yep. some money if possible. Exactly. And again, like we were talking about before with having uh, the connections to the to a realtor or the team in place, having a contractor like that, that sounds mm-hmm. like you guys had a previous relationship with and, and could trust his advice and input. Absolutely. That I mean, that's critical right there. Unfortunately, you know, not just like anything, not all contractors are, are created equal. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you do have to be careful there as well. You want to vet them. You know, if you have a if you have a previous relationship or somebody that you know that you have a relationship with that used the contractor and can refer you or give a referral, you know, that helps a lot too because you know sometimes people can tell you everything you want to hear, mm-hmm. and then unfortunately they may not be as um, experienced with flipping or, 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 or what have you. And that to the other point that you said about, he advised you guys on what type of materials to use and certain things to do. I mean, that's another, that's another important um, point there because, you know, if, if, if you're selling to a high end property or if you're doing 
uh, a rental, that's going to be two different types of finishes. You know, and if you're if you're trying to flip a property, it's most likely not going to be to an investor unless you're doing a turnkey for mm -hmm. for a specific investor. So you need to appeal to people. Right. You need to make the house look really nice. It's got to go with what's trend the trends are of the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you have to stay within a budget. Right. So it's really easy to make things look good and look cool if mm -hmm. you spend a bunch of money on it. But that's where a contractor has experience in this can tell you, well, we could use this type of flooring. It's going to look just you know, it's going to look just like hardwood, but it's LVP and it's going to mm -hmm. save you a lot of money. Absolutely. You know, these type of cabinets are going to give you the look that you're looking for without breaking yep. the bank, you know, what have you. So I think that's another uh, good point that you brought up. And, and, and for people out there listening, again, driving the point home about building the team, not just having a good realtor, but having a good contractor, even if you're not planning to use them to do everything like you guys did, and you want to do a lot of the work yourself, having a contractor to at least, you know, get point you in the right direction um, until you can learn it for yourself is another, is another critical factor. Um, so is that on market now, or did you guys already close on that? Is it wrapped up yeah. or where, where in the process is it? It's on market right now where uh, we, we honestly, because of COVID, we had to kind of accelerate it a little bit, just get things done and get it on the market just to try to find a buyer. Um, so yeah, so we're, we're hopefully uh, going to get an offer soon. It just came on market a couple weeks ago. So we're still, kind of showing it and we have an agent up there has been showing it a couple times a week and we're just waiting for the best offer. Right on. Well, good luck. That sounds awesome, man. Thank good you. Luck to you. And then, so from there, it sounds like you're going to keep looking to, uh, going to keep looking to find more houses to flip. Yes. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned, uh, getting into wholesaling. Have you done any of that yet? I haven't No, but it's something that I'm definitely interested in just given my experience and my, uh, you know, interest in the real estate, market i think that there's a lot of opportunity for it especially in my area so for people out there listening that may not be familiar f familiar with that what can you tell us a little uh, you know tell us what wholesaling is talk to us about it for the people that may not be as familiar with it yeah sure it's essentially just connecting um an end buyer with a seller and uh kind of collecting a commission as a middleman so basically you find a deal that you think an investor could be able to profit from, you get it under contract, and then you turn it around and sell it to an investor uh, for a profit. So maybe you get it in contract for you know, 40,000 or whatever, and you know um, an investor could uh, fix it up and still make a profit at 50, you turn around and sell it to the contract to them for uh, 50,000 and walk away with you know, ten, nice 10 grand without actually doing any of the work or any of the, or having the property yourself. Yeah. And so you said something in there. I want to point out to, to, to everybody listening, you sell the contract. Yes. So you don't, you don't actually do like a double close on a wholesale. Typically you're yeah. basically what, what happens is you, you find a, a buyer typically that's either distressed or very motivated. They need to unload the property quickly um, for whatever reason, but maybe because they're behind on their mortgage payments and they don't want to lose out and not walk away with anything. Or it may just, it, you know, it may be the fact that they, have let the property go. There's a lot of deferred maintenance and they don't have the money or the cash to fix it up in order to sell it for, a, you know, and realize the, the, the true market value of it. Whatever the reason, it's a motivated seller and a distressed property that needs work. And what a wholesaler does is get it under contract for a price that is uh, 
good enough for the seller to be able to cover their bank loan and hopefully put some money into, into their bank account too. You want it to work for everybody, mm -hmm. but you get it under contract and the contract is what we call assignable, which means that you can actually assign that contract over to somebody else. So what a wholesaler does is they'll get a property under contract, like you said, for a price that they think they'll be able to then turn it around to an end buyer uh, at a higher price. And typically they've already got a network of investors that they've, you know, that they've got in their pocket that they'll go and shop it to. So once you get the, get it under contract, you send it out to your potential buyers for that price above your contract price and you make the difference, but you're really, you don't close on the property. You, the wholesaler, wholesaler doesn't close on the property. If they find a buyer, they just sign the contract over. So it's basically that person's buying the contract from you mm -hmm. for a fee for an assignment fee. And that's basically the difference in the price. So they still close on the original contract for the same price. And then you get your assignment fee out of the deal, um, which can be a pretty lucrative way to build up cash for people that are just getting started and investing in what, and may not have a bunch of cash to, to dump into real estate. Wholesaling can be a way to generate cash, but you do have to be careful. There's a lot of ethics involved with it. You, you know, people can easily be taken advantage of in those types mm -hmm. of situations. So that's never a good idea. And you also really have to have a good, in order to be successful at it, you have to have a good handle on the market again, mm -hmm. more so than just even like a typical realtor would be that works with the investor because a wholesaler has to be able to un identify not only what the end value of the home would be like a realtor, but also what idea, have an idea at least of how much the improvement costs are going to be. So they need to know that the numbers are going to work. If you get something under contract, that's great. But then it has to work for the end buyer. Right. So if, stuck with the property, right, right. Or you get stuck with the property. I, typically they, they can't, you have your, you have an inspection period that you can kick out of, but transparency again is key. So you want to make sure if you're buying it from a distressed seller, they understand what's going on. You mm -hmm. don't want to mislead anybody and let them know that if you can't get it shopped around and sold, then, you know, the contract will be void. Um, so, yeah, so that's, that's just a little bit about wholesaling. And I just wanted to uh, jump into that real quickly, since you, you kind of, we've talked about, you know, how you want to get into wholesaling. Um, as far as finding those types of properties, though, if, if you, you said you want to get into wholesaling, what's your strategy or what would be your play there to kind of find them? Are you going to, you know, driving for dollars as a, as a popular uh, tactic? Um, there's other, you do direct mailings. What's your, what's your plan there as far as finding the distressed properties? Um, probably, yeah, direct mailing is a big one. Um, Craigslist, I've heard, is, is a good resource just looking online and posting ads of, you know, uh, we buy houses ads and you can get uh, responses from sellers, responses from investors, things like that. Um, and just build, like I said, building up my own network of people. I know a bunch of uh, investors um, in the New York area that, you know, I don't, I'm, it would depend on the deal, but I would be able to approach um, with, with a scenario. Um, and yeah, so just a combination of those things, direct mail, um, and just kind of, you know, looking at the local markets and speaking to local real estate agents and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. It's cool. It's, it's a hustle. It's a lot yeah, of work. It's, absolutely. you can make, you can make quick money, but you got, you have to get out and hustle with absolutely. like most, like many things, but wholesaling in particular, you know, you can make the money, but you got to get out and beat feet. Um, and you got to be able to get in, you know, there's at some point you're going to have to sit down with the seller and strike the deal with them. So yeah. there's, you know, there's a love, you know, there's a love, a personal level there that you're going to have to get to at some point with a person that's, you know, may not be in a great place. So it takes a certain type of person to be a good wholesaler. Mm -hmm. That's for yeah, sure. Absolutely. And just like we talked about with contractors and realtors, 
not every, and you, you said it yourself, you know, real estate, um, there's some shady players out there. Absolutely. So when it comes to wholesalers, you definitely have to be, be careful. I'm not saying that they all are, obviously, mm -hmm. there's a lot of good wholesalers out there that do a service to the end buyer and to the seller. Uh, but, you know, just be cautious. That's all <laughs> for sure. Yeah, so where, where is it that you see yourself going from here? So you've, you're doing some, some flips. Um, you're definitely sounds like your network in the investing community up there and, and in the real estate market as well. Um, what's your kind of plan going forward from here? I'm just kind of take it step by step. Um, just kind of wait. Um, right now, I'm just kind of trying to save up as much money as I can, trying to build my credit to, uh, you know, be able to get financing when the time comes and just looking for the right deal. That's like, I don't really, when it comes to real estate, I don't like to rush into anything. I think that's yeah. how people, you know, really lose money and get in over their heads. Um, I'm basically just trying to create conversations with people, like let them know what I'm doing. Let them know, you know, if you think about me, if you have a deal that comes on the market, feel free to reach out, um, trying to build that network. And then when the right deal comes along, be able to, to jump on it. I'm definitely kind of looking to, I'm more serious about doing flips. Um, you know, the wholesaling might be just kind of more of a side hustle that if I have a, a situation that comes up, um, I, I'd be willing to, to wholesale it to somebody if I don't have the means to do it myself. But my strategy is kind of building my network and also building up, uh, you know, my finances so that I can strike when a, a good deal presents itself. Awesome. Well, it sounds like you've got, you've got uh, a good plan in place and you've done your, your homework, which is mm -hmm. good. So it sounds, I, I have no doubt that you're going to be very successful. So hey. good luck to you there. Uh, so what else do you, what else have you been doing up to during COVID? Anything outside of real estate that keeps yourself busy or you just, since the lockdown began, have you just been focusing on real estate and crunching numbers? Yeah, mostly just crunching numbers. Uh, mostly just kind of trying to do uh, more content for uh, businesses like the Invest Nest uh, to build my network that way and just kind of get myself out there as maybe like a thought leader or, you know, whatever. Um, and yeah, just kind of tr relaxing, trying to take things easy a little bit. Um, it could be, you know, sometimes you got to take a step back. It's like something like real estate where it's like a constant grind where you never really get to turn it off. I think it's important to just, you know, take some time to yourself and relax and spend time with friends and family and stuff like that. Um, and going back to Albany a lot. Uh, where I grew up and just hanging out with family and stuff like that. And just kind of trying to find a balance between, you know, working and, uh, and relaxing, I guess. That's good. That's good advice. I think all of us could use a little bit of that, especially in these, in these times. So yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, you're, you're right with like anything really, but real estate, you know, it, it's a grind, it's a hustle. You can get mm -hmm. caught up in it and taking a step back sometimes allows you to see some things that you might not have seen when you're just, you know, nose to the grind wheel all the time. Uh, so I think a good a break for everybody every now and then provides a good breath of fresh air. And Absolutely. Uh, there's definitely nothing wrong with that. So, all right, Colin, well, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, before we wrap this up, I wanted to ask you if there's uh, anything out there that you wanted to promote or if there's a website that you can send our listeners to. How, how can people find out more about you and what, what it is you're doing? Uh, yeah, if you want to connect with me on LinkedIn, if you have any questions or you have a deal that you might be interested in uh, you know, connecting with me on, you can find me on Colin Mahar on LinkedIn. Um, if you have a business and you're looking for content for your website, uh, you can also visit my portfolio website, maharcopy.com. That's M-A-H-A-R-C-O-P-Y.com. Um, I do blog posts, SEO content, uh, video content, all kinds of different things to help 
you know, generate more sales leads or generate more traffic to your site, whatever you're trying to do. Um, and yeah, that's pretty much it. Awesome. Awesome. And you're on the invest nest, right? You have a program on the invest nest as well. Yes, that's correct. You can read some of my, some of my writing there. Yeah. So for everybody out there that hasn't uh, created a profile yet, be sure to check out theinvestnest.com and create a profile. And if you already are on the invest nest, reach out to Colin um, and send him a, send him a message. Uh, all right, Colin, well, I really do appreciate it. Uh, this has been an awesome, uh, this has been a pleasure talking to you. I've had a really good time. Uh, I'm sure all of our listeners out there enjoyed it as well, especially the ones that are, you know, maybe haven't started yet and they're just trying to get, get that, get their foot in the door to hear somebody like you out there that, you know, just, he said, I'm doing it and is out there doing it right now. That's, I mean, that's inspiring. So uh, good luck to you. And um, thanks everybody. Uh, this is Travis Murphy. I'm going to wrap things up now. Uh, this is Travis Murphy with the Invest Nest Real Estate Investing Show. Uh, thanks for joining us. We'll have another uh, interview podcast out next week. In the meantime, be sure to go check out Colin's uh, website, LinkedIn and Invest Nest page and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter at the Invest Nest. All right. We'll see you next time, everybody. Thanks, Colin. Thanks, Travis. Thanks for having me. Thank you for joining us on the InvestNest Real Estate Investing Show. Be sure to join the InvestNest.com and start learning and earning today.